growing up, I had heard these passages many times, but it wasn't until going to seminary that I fully was taught and realized and unlocked the full meaning of these two readings. The story of Isaac and the first reading of the Old Testament and now the transfiguration. This is a powerful combination of these stories, biblical stories. Now, this whole story on Abraham, we always call him the father of faith, but really it was more of an act of trust because you've heard me say before, here you've got a man who God tells him your descendants are going to be as vast as the stars of the sky or the sands of the seashore, but I'm going to kill your only son by which that line will come. Well, father, what about Ishmael? Well, Ishmael was already rejected. Um, so in the sense of the Old Testament, that was no longer considered part uh, of his line or lineage. Isaac was. So he somehow had to trust that, like, I don't know, Lord, how you're going to do this, but somehow I trust you're going to do it. You're going to spread my descendants far and wide, even though you're asking me to kill this, this guy. And, and you must, whatever you got to do, do it. I trust you, even if you got to raise this little guy from the dead. And here where it opens the door to the typology of Isaac to Jesus. And again, this is where I'm taking you back to seminary because as I'm sitting there in seminary learning all this and going deeper in it, I'm like, well, how come we don't know this? How powerful it is. Now, like we, we know this, mercy is love put into action. All right, so in love, when that love takes action, we have mercy. But here's the interesting thing. Um, trust is faith put into action. All right, trust is, it's a living faith. That's why Father Seraphim always used to look at the image. It says, Jesus, I trust in you. He said the original language is really, Jesus, I faith in you. And so it's putting that faith into action. That's what trust is. So what happened? All right, this typology, meaning Isaac prefigures Jesus is powerful. He's a type of Christ. First of all, he's called his only begotten son. That's interesting that God calls Isaac Abraham's only begotten son. So we have a father, God the father, and his only begotten son, Jesus. We have Abraham and his only begotten son in Isaac. Now, both Jesus and Isaac took a donkey. They both took a donkey to the place where they were to be sacrificed. Did you catch the place that they were to be sacrificed? Okay, now the place that's listed is Moriah. That's where Isaac was told to go take, sorry, uh, Abraham was told to go take Isaac to sacrifice him was Mount Moriah. Well, really that's in Jerusalem. And in a way, part of where Christ was. And so there's the connection there. Now, both of them had two men by their side. If you go into the deep story here, uh, there were two servants riding on both sides of Isaac. We forget that. We just think it was Abraham and Isaac. No, there were two servants on each side of Isaac, just like there were two thieves on each side of Jesus, right? The journey to the mountain took three days. It was a three-day walk. Jesus was in the tomb for three days. All right, so this isn't meaningful because Abraham, for him, this three-day journey must have been heavy on his heart. 
Okay, for he knew that Isaac was to be sacrificed and in three days he would be dead. To Abraham, Isaac was as good as dead at the, at the end of the three days. Now, what happened though, just like Jesus was considered to be just as good as dead at the end of three days, what happened? Isaac was released from death on the third day, just like Jesus resurrected back to life on the third day. Amazing. Now, Jesus, he too knew that he was going to die, but he too was released from death on the third day. Now, both Jesus and Isaac carried wood. Did you catch that? They carried wood. So both Isaac and Jesus carried wood. They both carried it up a hill to be sacrificed. So you got Isaac going up a hill with wood, carrying the wood for the sacrifice. I mean, he didn't know it was going to be him. Jesus carried the wood up the hill to be sacrificed. Both times God then did what? Provided the lamb to be sacrificed. So in the case of Isaac, the lamb was caught in the thicket. And in the case of Jesus, God provided his only begotten son. So both Jesus and Isaac were then fastened to the wood. Both Isaac and Jesus were fastened and placed on wood to be sacrificed. Isaac, here's what's another interesting point. Do you know the Jewish tradition? We always think of Isaac as who? A young boy, right? We think of as maybe 12. I, actually, do you know this? Did you know that the Jewish tradition is Isaac was an adult? Isaac was an adult. And so his age is never given here. And so the Jews and even Josephus, who was an uh, early writer, believed that he was an adult. And that means that he was bound willingly because he could have easily handed, handled Abraham. Abraham was an old man. So here we have, if you go to the Jewish tradition, Isaac was not a boy. He was an adult. And he was willingly bound by his father to be offered in sacrifice. Wow. Honestly, I don't know how the Jews don't see this connection. God bless them. Let us play, pray for the Jews to accept Jesus Christ. Because Isaac is clearly the typology of Jesus. And so then what happened? A ram's head was caught in the thicket of thorns, just like a crown of thorns was placed on the head of Christ, right? Abraham was willing not to spare his only son. God the Father was not willing to spare his only son. Now, God then stopped it when he saw Abraham's living faith, his trust. And this is important because what's happened, he's undoing the curse of Adam. What was Adam? Adam sent curses because he didn't listen to God. He rather listened to his wife. Now mankind will be blessed because Abraham is listening to God, not to himself or to Sarah or anyone. That's the difference. Adam sent curses because he listened to his wife and not God. Abraham is now listening to God and not some other human, and so he's sending blessings. 
Now, Isaac will live, and Abraham's seed will now be multiplied throughout the whole world. Now, through the sacrifice of Jesus, his body and blood will be the seed that comes from the altar that gives throughout the world life. This is why the priest is the man. The priest is the man because from that altar, the priest is in persona Christi. He's in the place of Jesus Christ, who was a man, but the man gives the seed. That's how God provided the before and creation of man and a woman. The man produces the seed. That seed is given. The female receives it. She takes it into herself and grows and gives birth to life. Just what's happening at that altar, the priest, the male, gives the seed, that beautiful gift. Now, not from himself, but as Jesus Christ. That priest is giving the seed as that male in persona Christi of Jesus Christ that is given out to who? The feminine, the church. Mother church receives it. She takes that seed of the Eucharist. She takes it in, and then it develops and gives birth into life. It's incredible what we have here. And, and then it goes into the transfiguration, how all this pulls together. So what happened in the transfiguration? All right, earlier, Jesus in his actions kind of inferred that he was God, but now the veil is actually lifted. And, and, and this veil is lifted to show the divinity through his humanity, because they had always seen Jesus in his humanity. Now at the transfiguration, the veil is lifted and you see his divinity. So what happened? All right, Jesus appears with Elijah and Moses. Why is this important? Because both Elijah and Moses had experiences on a mountain. They went up the mountain to know God's will. All right, Moses up Mount Sinai. Where did Elijah go? Carmel, right? That's where we have Mount Carmel. Now, it shows the saints aren't dead. You crazy Catholics, why in the world are you praying to saints? They're dead. They can't hear anything. Well, Isa, I, 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 Elijah, and I know there's a question, Father David does a really great series on Elijah, but Moses definitely was dead for centuries, and yet there he was on the mountain, all right, and communicating very clearly. So it shows the saints aren't dead. Revelation chapter 4. Revelation chapter 5, chapter 6, chapter 8, they all say the saints are praying for us. So what happens here? All right, Jesus goes up the mountain, consults with God to do his will, just like Moses did on Sinai. He is the new Moses. So this is powerful. So if we do God's will in our life, then you will be illuminated in, in, with great light at the end of your life in heaven, just like Moses was on Mount Sinai. He was illuminated with great light. Now Christ is illuminated with great light on the transfiguration, and you in heaven, you know how you will be judged? Not by how smart you are or how physically attractive you are. You will be judged by how bright you shine with the light of Christ. And how bright you shine will be reflective of how you reflected Christ on this earth. So ultimately, that's how we are judged. How did we do the will of God? You know, everything is under this. And so to finish, in, in Jewish belief, Elijah would be the herald of the Messiah. All right. And like I said, if you ever want to learn more about Elijah, check out Father David's video series. 
talking about Elijah. Now, when the Messiah came, he would be accompanied by Moses. So if Elijah is the herald of, Mo, uh, of the Messiah, which means he announces the Messiah, and when the Messiah comes, he'll be accompanied by Moses, we have this here. Christ fulfills it on the mountain. He is the Messiah, heralded by Elijah, and accompanied by Moses. Now, what else happens here? Peter says, Lord, should we build a tent? Why? Because this is like the Feast of Booths. Seraphim, Father Seraphim always talked about this, and this is where I learned from him. I'm sharing with you all my dinnertime table conversations with Father Seraphim. Um, for years, I would pick his brain at the dinner table, and, and I share that with you. Um, but in the Feast of Booths, they would wait in tents in expectation for the coming of the Messiah. So this is what Peter is doing. Shall we build these tents? Because you are with us. Well, then what happens? The Trinity is announced. Well, Father, um, you know, the, the, the word, you know, people always say purgatory isn't in the Bible because the word purgatory doesn't appear in the Bible. But the word Trinity isn't in the Bible. And so the Trinity, though, is proven here. Um, the voice of the Father confirms who Jesus is. And it's a revelation of the Trinity. We hear the Father's voice. The Son is transfigured. And the Holy Spirit comes in a cloud. Now, why is that important? Because it's like a cloud that the Holy Spirit overshadowed Mary in a, in, in a pillar of cloud, led the Israelites out of Egypt. This is important. And remember the words at the baptize, baptism? Jesus, uh, God the Father said, what about Jesus? This is my son in whom I am well pleased. Notice the difference here. Here, he says, this is my son, listen to him. Why does he say that? It's to show that Elijah is now not the greatest prophet. His son is. He says specifically listen to him because Elijah appeared as the greatest of the prophets. All right. And so now all of a sudden, God, the father says, this is my son. Listen to him, meaning he's greater than even Elijah as is to show that he is the greatest of the prophets. So he is not just the conquering Messiah that Israel was waiting for, but he's also the living Torah, the incarnation of God's word. And, and this is the basis of our Catholic faith. Yes, trust me, we are biblical. And so not only does Jesus fulfill the law, but he also is the living word himself and, and living among us now. And then lastly, Christ led the disciples up, scriptures tell us, after six days. Now, why is this important? Because it shows that we, and six days is creation of the world, right? The material things you see. Well, after six days, it says they went up the mountain. It shows that we must realize the material things, we need to rise above them. So going up the mountain after six days is symbolic of us rising above all the created things, that were made in six days, prepping us that we are going to someday be divinized like Jesus was divinized at the transfiguration. I mean, he was always divine, but his divinity now showed forth. So it's, it's powerful that Jesus is shown as both divine and human. Why? Because if he was only divine, Jesus couldn't touch us. He couldn't reach us. He couldn't relate to us. And if he was only human, he couldn't save us. 
So he, his splendor is in both. And, 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 and it has also helped that the apostles are preparing for the resurrection now by not being scandalized at the cross. Well, they did. In one sense, they ran away. But after that, they weren't scandalized. They stood up for the truth. And, and the apostles were prepared for the resurrection and the coming glory by seeing Jesus in his glorified state. And to help them see that is basically uh, through the shame, they could see the cross, the crown beyond the cross. Amazing. And so I, I share with you what I learned in seminary. As I, as I was sitting here learning this in seminary, I'm like, my mind was like ready to explode. Like, how could you hear this and not be Catholic, not be Christian, not turn to God to say, you are the Lord and Savior? How could you not? And so th this is all leading up to why I believe um, you're with us, you're Marian helpers, because we Marians are, are dedicated to, to helping you know God so that you better, so that you can love God better. And, and you know, let us now be transfigured. Because remember, it's not just learning, we then gotta do. And so let us now be transfigured. Um, you know, this is a time of Lent. Let us be transfigured, um, you know, uh, like Jesus was. You're gonna hear, I have Brother Elliot reading a passage from the diary, talking about the soul being transfigured. Let us be that soul right now during this time um, of Lent. It's a beautiful and life-giving opportunity for us to turn back to God, shine with the light of Christ by being transfigured from the old man to the new man. God bless you. Are you a Marian helper? Join our Spiritual Benefit Society and start sharing in the graces of all the daily masses, prayers, and good works of Marian priests and brothers all over the world. Sign up is free and easy. Simply visit micprayers.org. That's micprayers.org. Thank you, and God bless you. Please follow or subscribe to this podcast to receive the latest episodes and updates. If you have been blessed by this podcast, I invite you to leave a review. Reviews greatly improve our podcast ranking and will help spread this podcast to other people throughout the world. Are you enjoying this podcast? I invite you to listen to more shows brought to you by the Marian Fathers of the Immaculate Conception. Join us daily for enriching spiritual content, which will help you on your journey with Jesus Christ. Simply visit divinemercyplus.org for a complete list of our shows. That's divinemercyplus.org. Are you a Marian helper? Join our Spiritual Benefit Society and start sharing in the graces of all the daily masses, prayers, and good works of Marian priests and brothers all over the world. Sign up is free and easy. Simply visit micprayers.org. That's micprayers.org. Thank you. And God bless you.